Hello and welcome to Running the Table, an ongoing podcast about running and playing tabletop role-playing games. I'd like to thank all of you who have asked questions, and if you'd like to ask some of your own, please feel free to email them to rttpodcast at gmail.com, or you can ask them directly to Running the Table on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Keith, and joining me today is Russ Wild of Prism Pals. Hi, Russ. Thank you for coming on. Hi, Keith. Thank you for having me. Ah, so, Prism Pals. Yes. One, I want to ask where the name comes from. And two... So, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) And two, how you got started with it. Okay, so... Back when I was in college, uh, my friend and I played in a D&D campaign together. And we played with a few other friends, and we also listened to a bunch of podcasts. And we realized that we could possibly make our own, maybe, if we wanted to. (laughs) Um, But we thought, well, it's kind of difficult to just, like, have a podcast and have that just be a thing if, like you don't have something that you're striving for, if you don't have something that you're going for. Um, So we had a long discussion, and we realized that what we wanted to do was have a queer show with a completely queer cast, and we wanted it to be family-friendly. So we went through a bunch of names. We sat together during lunch, went through a bunch of names, and one of the first names that we came up with was Rainbow Squad. Okay. Um, which just so good. <laughs> um, and then eventually it came to the point where we were like, we were discussing it and we discussed the greater meaning of the show and being like, okay, we are taking a hobby, this hobby that's very traditionally seen as, or like societally seen as being very white, very, um, heteronormative, very masculine, and we're changing that. Um, and so we are kind of the prism that changes light from being white to being the rainbow. Very cool. Um, which is part of where our logo comes from, which is the white dye that shoots out into a rainbow. (laughs) Um, so that's actually an answer to both questions of where the name came from and how we got started. Yeah. Oftentimes they're interrelated, but you can never, (laughs) you can never know for sure. So (laughs) awesome. Uh, so, uh, normally, normally when I do these questions, I ask a lot about the, uh, starting of this project that you're working on, but I wanted to take a a step in a little bit of a different direction and ask you about something that you might see, uh, towards while you're running it. Um, so I'd like to ask, uh, what is your favorite home rule? that you've used uh bonus points if it is used in prism pals okay so i actually have two home rules that we use but i'm gonna talk about the first one that we introduced which is actually one of my favorites mm-hmm. um so i'm the type of dm who's like i love giving my players inspiration like i will give it out as if it's halloween And my players are the kids knocking on the door. Like, I will throw it out to them. (laughs) And 
the issue became that they were all sort of saving inspiration. And this is like for personal home games, I had noticed that like people save inspiration and don't really use it. So I made up this rule called harmonic movements or harmonic actions, which basically players can spend inspiration to work together collectively to basically perform an anime style super move together <laughs> as a group. We've only canonically used it, I believe, twice so far. Like once in the episode where we introduced it and once in another episode. But it's still like one of my favorite things. And like it's something that I've also introduced to guests who are on the show. Hmm. Uh, there's one guest specifically who I was like, hey, this is a thing that you can use at some point. And so they're like thinking about when they're going to use it. Um, but yes, it is a way to sort of give them another method of using inspiration. Um, and the way that they did it the first time was that they created a move called Extreme Baseball. <laughs> where it's amazing. <laughs> I love it so much. Um one of the players is a fire cleric who casts fire magic on our elemental monk. And the elemental monk uses their lightning dash to stride forward with their quarterstaff. And then our artificer throws up a grenade. And with the fire and lightning, they smash into the grenade. And it's just, just the like, like you can picture the image of that in your head yeah. of like what that would look like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> mm -hmm. uh i may uh i may borrow that oh please do rule. um i've had several people ask me to write up the rules for it which i'm currently working on but i'm trying to like balance them that is great and and <laughs> yeah that is one of the issues that i've seen with inspiration as well people tend to uh they tend to hoard it Mm -hmm. same way that they hoard healing potions if they don't have a dire need to use them yes well i might need it later mm -hmm. and then they which is why i just give out so many inspiration points because it's just like you have so many that are just sitting there use it yeah uh we had one episode where a player used all five of their inspirations on a single religion check <laughs> And it was the greatest thing. Uh, I'm sure that they knew everything they needed to know about that religion for that moment. Only on the last roll. Oh, no. <laughs> Before that, it was all like threes and eights. Oh, it was not good for them. That is unfortunate. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so one last question before we, we jump into our topic du jour, if you will. Uh what is the favorite of any non-combat encounter that you've run or been a part of? Okay, so this doesn't have to do with the show. That's fine. This is completely outside of the show. I ran a murder mystery once. Mm. This was for one of the players of the show and another friend. Um, and it was just sort of like this one-off thing where they all had characters that were, they both had characters they were playing and I kind of threw in a DM NPC who was a little weaker than them just so they had an extra person to take <clears throat> hits. Um, and it turned, I had all these plans written out. I had all these things 
And what was supposed to be like a four-hour session turned into like an eight-hour, we need to take apart this mystery. (laughs) And both of the players had so much fun with it. Like, we all left that eight-hour session feeling energized. And like, the way it ended was so perfect because one of them almost died they technically failed but they like they failed from stopping the grand scheme plan but they still made it out alive and like i know both of them they like talked about it for months afterwards wow and like it was just so good they like almost killed an old god who was rising up to destroy the entire town and they like discovered a vampire cult and there were so many things that was going on and it was just so much fun wow it really sounds like it murder mysteries and and things like that can always be a a really fun introduction or like a side quest i've found they can be really fun but they can also just be a real pain in the butt yeah like i've 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 seen people run murder mysteries where it's just like well the players aren't getting high enough and it just they're not getting anything because they're not getting high enough like their roles just aren't good enough to get whatever the dc that the dm makes and it just turns into this thing where like you want the players to move forward but they're not getting all the information and so like in preparing this thing, what I end up doing is I started at the end, what I wanted the end confrontation to be, or like what the end goal of the enemies was. And I built it backwards, making sure that even if they fail, they get something, they get some sort of a hint, some sort of clue. And the better they do, the sooner they can solve the entire puzzle. And like, that was the way that I did it to make sure that everyone was having fun rather than, oh, everyone rolled underneath a 10. You get nothing from this. Yeah, that that's a, a great way of handling it, because oftentimes in non-combat encounters like intrigue or mysteries or things like that, I have found that that is where it can lack uh, is no matter what happens in the role, something should happen to drive the story forward agreed even if it's like even it doesn't have anything to do with like what you're searching for for like oh someone makes a stealth check if they fail it doesn't have to be that everyone notices them immediately it can be something like oh they've now ruined their chance of exiting through this door or something or they've like done something to hamper their progress in the future or these people over here that were wary enough to notice and may have things to hide are now just that slightly bit more suspicious of you Mm -hmm, exactly not running away but they're not sprinting and screaming for all the guards but they are they will be harder to get on your side in the future yeah wow that was weird how you just kind of stumbled in through the window and knocked a vase over but why (laughs) were you doing that Mm -hmm. all right that makes sense carry on <laughs> yeah exactly great all right uh so i think that with that we can jump into some of our uh, listener questions uh that we've gotten in and so today mm-hmm. 
the general theme tends to be uh mostly like group dynamics and interaction mm-hmm. uh, so the first question on that vein is we're missing a player just for this session how can we work around the missing player since we don't want to cancel the session what are some ways we can keep going without completely excluding them so <clears throat> there are a lot of points to this question of like what your group is comfortable with. Um, I personally play in a game that happens every week almost. Mm-hmm. And normally what happens if one person cancels, we don't play the main campaign. What we end up doing is we do a one shot um, that just we have our standardized characters for this one shot and one of us will DM it and they'll make it up and we'll just go for it and we'll have a good time together. Um And so that's something that I always think that groups can do. And it also gives a chance for someone who doesn't DM very often to get some experience and gain more confidence in themselves as a DM, which I think can be very valuable. Um, In the case of, in the case of, okay, we really want to keep going with the main campaign. We don't want to stop or like leave the other character behind. Like we don't want to stop for this other person. Um, First off, you have to make sure that the other person's okay with it. Um, Not just in the sense of they aren't there so they didn't get a vote, but in the sense of will they be upset if we continue? So you have to establish whether or not that communication is that, like, you have to communicate with them and be like, hey, will you be hurt if we do this? And you always have to make sure that you're doing the things that are right for each other as people because you never want someone at your table to be angry at you for something that happens. Like, not within the game, but, like, choices that you as people make outside of the game. Mm-hmm. Let's say that your friend says, it's okay, it's totally fine, go for it, I understand. If they say go for it, what I normally would do is either the DM can play that character for a temporary amount of time, just sort of having them stand off in the background. But what I find more interesting to do is to have the character leave the party for a certain amount of time, forever, however long this next session is. And instead, when that person comes back, begin that session with that person and doing an individual sort of plot development. It's a good way to sort of delve a little further into their personal plot. Um, For example, one way you could do it is that Let's say someone's gone for a while and their main character backstory is that they're looking for their lost brother or lost sibling. What you can do is say, oh, they get a letter in the morning and they leave for the day. And the letter that they get can be something related to their sibling and help push them further down that path to finding their missing sibling and reaching the conclusion of that arc. And it doesn't have to be a full, drawn-out, three-hour thing. It can be a quick 30-minute conversation, or even shorter, with an NPC discussing this issue, discussing these factors, and then that person comes and rejoins the rest of the group. Yeah. That you can summarize really quickly. Definitely. Uh, I've I've actually done something very similar to that, Uh, but one thing that I've done is taken it a, a step further 
and divesting it from the main campaign in that I've actually had these conversations just me and the person that was missing. Um, that way, when it come, when they rejoin the group and come back in, uh, the information that is divested to the group is actually just what the character wants to share, which mm -hmm. can create some very interesting interactions where uh, somebody meets an NPC on their own personal side quest because they were gone for a couple sessions and we had a little we sat down, we had a quick session of this is just kind of the short and long of what happened uh, over the like three days that you were gone in game. And they come back and the sessions continue. And then later, that exact same NPC comes up and they've already got a rapport and can talk in a different interaction, if you will, between just that NPC and that character and the rest of the players are just, what is going on? <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. Uh, with my personal campaign that I ran for a while, um, we used to, like, we would have breaks in between sessions of, like, they would complete an arc and then go back to their home base and have all these NPCs they could talk to. And I'd basically be like, hey, message me in a week which NPCs you'd like to talk to. And then we'd find a time period and literally just text each other back and forth, the RP and everything, just texting what everyone's saying and describing the motions. And if someone needs to roll, I'll have them roll on their end because I, I trust all my players mm -hmm. to not lie about their rolls. Um, in addition, some of them rolled so poorly that I know they're not lying. Um, yeah. And just like have it done that way because not only is that a great way to still have them experience that but in addition i have some players who don't have the best memory so they can scroll back and look at those messages and say okay this is what happened now i remember because they're not in that group setting where you have a note taker who takes all the notes and can tell you exactly what happened and when it happened and who they spoke to and everything yeah so they end up with a sort of digital note taker yeah exactly it's a very good idea <laughs> I also love using Discord and just making private channels for all my players. Yeah. So that they all have a channel where they can just talk with me and not have anyone else see what they're saying. Which is usually helpful in uh, in a Dungeons & Dragons campaign, especially. Yes. Especially when you've got, especially... uh, say, three or four different spellcasters that all know message. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so... The next question is still kind of related to out bringing the outside of the table in and how we can handle that. Uh, so our next question is, everyone brings a bit of their own self and their own history into the story they're telling and the characters they play. Do you have any notable examples? So I, we literally just talked about this before yeah. we started recording. Um, but right before this game, right before this recording, I just played a game with a bunch of my friends for Dungeon World, and one of the characters sacrificed themselves, mm -hmm. and it was a hit that I felt, like, in my chest, in my very being, because of the fact that it's, like, one of my personal fears mm. of, like... 
losing someone and being unable to save them. Like, so that's like a personal example for me of like, that was, it it shook me. It like shook me to my core and I had to sit here for a while and just be like, okay, got to put myself back together. Got to like keep going. Um, But there are some other examples that I've seen of like, people who are very confident and very like suave often play the face people who are very aggressive like one of my friends she is the most determined aggressive person that I know not in a bad way but in a she will get what she wants she will get her way she's gonna make sure that like no border no barriers stand in her way and she'll she'll get the she'll get it done and every time she plays a character, she plays exactly that. Very, And uh... it's so interesting to see that character because in the real world, it works out really well for her. Like, it always works well. But in these worlds, it doesn't always work out well for her because she has to roll for it. She doesn't have the same <laughs> charisma and luck that she actually has. But it's very interesting to see those pieces of her, like, translate into the game. Um, and I also have a friend who's, like, super creative, and every and he plays a character who's an archaeologist. And that archaeologist is always trying to put things together and, like, make things and create things. And it's just, it's exactly like who he is as a person, but in the game. And it's so interesting to see. Very cool. Uh, I've found that a lot of people will bring at least aspects of themselves in like that. And it's always fun to see. I think it's just really hard not to. Yeah. I think that even if you're role-playing these characters, you're still yourself. There's no way to separate you and your character fully. Like, to fully, completely disassociate yourself from them. They're still a part of you. Yeah. Even if it's just like... Oh well, they're a different race. They're a different gender. They they they're nothing like me. They don't act like me. There's still a part of you that's in them, whether it's the way they speak, the way they hold themselves, even something small, their mannerisms. Yeah, and I've actually found that some of the best characters that I've ever played are when I consciously take a facet of my own personality and make it one of their primary traits. So it's oh yeah, it's kind of like an exaggerated form of one part of me. Oh yeah, that, that, that's that's exactly what I do for all of my characters. I tell my friends that all of my characters are me, but with a few dials turned up to two hundred percent. So one of my characters is a very angry character, which is not how I am. Like I know I can be angry, but he's just so angry all the time. And it's very different, but it's still very interesting to see, like, sort of exploring the depths of a person and, like, who you are as a person and where you can go. The uh, the most interesting one that I've ever had to do was where I exaggerated a couple traits, but purposefully took one that... So, one that I, I normally leave alone because it's hard to divest from myself which is my penchant for puzzles and puzzle solving. Uh, mm-hmm. But playing a low-int fighter is a little <laughs> difficult if you're really into puzzles and logical thinking. So that was, 
that was tough, but thankfully I was able to lean into other aspects of their personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just played a character like a week ago. First session with the character, but I specifically talked to the DM and the DM was like, what do you normally do? And I was like, I normally play very combat focused characters with a lot of RP. And they were like, okay, change it. And so I play a character now who has no combat skills, like is a good support, but can't really fight on their own. Like they will get squished. And it was so difficult to play that character because like, I'm so used to playing characters who are like, take charge, I'll do it, I'll, I'll solve, I'll figure it out. And this was a character who just stood in the background and, like, let everyone else do everything. And it was very challenging, but I'm very excited to play that character again. Yeah, it can be very rewarding, especially when you've got a, a dungeon master or game master that can pull in and tie every character into the story as well. So even if you're standing in the background, you still feel connected. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, so this next question... Uh, is a little bit longer, but mm-hmm. some games can get dark in their stories, but I don't want to make my players uncomfortable. What are some ways that I can allow my players to communicate if they're uncomfortable with the situation in the narrative easily and without putting them in the spotlight? Okay, so before you even get to in the narrative, like before you even start playing the game session zero oh always i am such a big believer of the importance of a session zero before you start building your world before you start putting everything everywhere building all the cities you need to have a session zero And I'm not saying don't do any work, like you should do some work to give them a base frame of like what the world is, but don't decide on any themes. You need to sit down with your players, it doesn't have to be as a group, and let them tell you what they expect from the game, what they're okay with in the game, and what they do not want in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is so, 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 so important, and if you don't do that, things can go awry very quickly. Um, and there's actually something I want to bring up. Give me just a second. Yes. So I'm going to talk about this because this is very important to me. And this is something that like, I'm very, I've seen and it looks very good and I've used it already and people have enjoyed it. Um, Monty Cook, the company released a consent in gaming book earlier this year. And it's completely free. You can download it. They just, like, check to make sure they just want to see how many people are downloading it. But, like, you can get it. And in the book is a consent sheet, which lists a lot of different topics. And you can cross off or, like, check what your comfort level is with them. And they're all categorized. It's very nice and neat. There's areas for you to put your own triggers in if there's anything that is too dark for you but isn't mentioned. And it's something that is so easy to fill out. It takes like a few minutes and it just, it saves so much time. It is one of those things where it's just like, it's a way to communicate with your DM and let them know, hey, here's where my boundaries are. 
here's what I'm comfortable with. Please don't cross some of these lines. Some of them I'm okay with you pushing at, but not crossing. The thing is that, like, when the book came out, it was divisive. Like, on Twitter, people were very angry about it. They said, like, oh, well, this doesn't have a place in my game. If anyone ever tries to use this, I don't want them here. And then you had other people who, like, a majority of the RPG community, in my opinion, or at least the people I talk to and want to talk to, who were supporting it and said, like, this is good, this is safe, this is healthy. Especially because you have so many people in the world who have triggers, who've been through traumatic things that, like... Mm -hmm even if they're experiencing them in a role-playing game, can be very harmful to them. Yeah. And and they may not want to talk about it. They just may want to say, this is a line, do not cross it. And yeah, it's just important to respect that. Yeah, and like, it's so important that like, if they want to talk about it, they can't. But you, you should never ask someone to justify a line. Yeah. You should never ask someone to explain why they're uncomfortable with this. That should not be how it goes because it's not, you don't have a right to it. You don't have a right to everyone's history. You don't have a right to everyone's past. But it's the decent and good thing to do to make sure that everyone's happy and having fun. Definitely. And I know that didn't answer the question because I'm just talking about consent and before the campaign, but I feel this like is stuff that I'm I, very emotional about. I feel like uh, if you put in the effort before the campaign, hopefully this shouldn't need to come up. But if it does, people will have ideas as well. My own personal idea is if you've got any sort of communication where they can communicate directly with your character, which is, or your NPCs, which is important, they should also be able to use some form of communication like that to say, hey, no, uh, stop, please. Yeah, in addition, like, they should be able to communicate with you as the DM. They should be able to, Mm -hmm. like, text you and be like, hey, this was too much, or this is too much. Yeah. That's why, like, I hate to do it, but I have notifications on most of the time when I'm playing a game. When I'm DMing, I have notifications on. Just in case I, and I know it's frustrating for some people, but it's just like, that is a way for me to know, without calling attention to anyone, that like, hey, something's up. Yeah, I I usually have notifications on as well. Um, And I usually just check it, and if it is anything related to the game... I'll read through real quick, but if it's not, I can... It goes back yeah, down. Yeah, can wait till later. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, like, there are other ways... There are so many safety systems that exist in the world. I personally... If you're interested in learning more about safety systems, uh, Kiana Shaw on Twitter does great work with uh, safety systems at kiana s on twitter she writes all about safety systems and consent and she is so great when it comes to this stuff so if you're looking for a way to have safety systems embedded into your game in a way that is meaningful that allows your players to feel comfortable and feel safe and feel happy i would definitely recommend her um i know that she 
also like wrote about X and O cards, X, N and O cards, which are basically cards you put on your table where if someone feels uncomfortable, they can pull the X card and say, hey, stop mm-hmm. the N card and say, hey, don't go any further or the O card and say that they're OK. Mind you, this is a way that kind of calls attention to them. So I still do believe that the texting yeah, texting option is much better, just in my personal opinion. Yeah, and there are other ways of setting up, say, simple symbol or gestural things between you and your players that don't draw attention to them if mm-hmm. they feel or you feel that it would be beneficial. But yes, like we said before, session zero is the best way to do it. Session zero it and respect. <laughs> Yes, yes. Oh my goodness, respect. I it's so Yeah. It's mind-boggling honestly to see some of the things that people say. Yeah. Like and some of the horror stories that people have about games. Yes, and it is unfortunate. Uh and all we can do is make sure that we do better as part of the gaming community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean like do better yourselves and like call out people who like aren't doing better and it doesn't have to be a public like in front of everyone it can be like a private hey Mm -hmm. don't do that like even especially if it's one of your friends you can always say like hey that wasn't good please don't do that that was hurtful yeah definitely accountability man accountability (laughs) is huge yeah and it does a lot and the more you can bring it in the better that the gaming experience can be for everybody exactly yeah all right um unfortunately i think that that is where we're going to have to to uh draw an end to this episode uh, okay <laughs> it's a little bit of a downer but <laughs> <laughs> just remember games are fun you need to talk and Be respectful of everybody involved. Of course. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much again for coming on, Russ. Thank you so much for having me. All right. This has been Running the Table with my guest today, Russ Wild of Prism Pals. Please follow any links in the description of this podcast to follow what we were talking about and uh, check out Prism Pals. I'd also like to thank you for listening. And if you find yourself with questions you want answered about anything tabletop role-playing game related, please send them to rttpodcast at gmail.com or running the table on both Twitter and Facebook.